yeah. Get some of this in this corner with Brian Campbell is back, ready to inject all five of your senses with that black market dose of performance-enhancing audio. It's the debut of the MMA show this week, just days out from an absolutely loaded UFC 211 card in Dallas, Texas. You know BC had a call in the big gun to break this down. Let me welcome in CBS Sports Analyst, former UFC light heavyweight champion and current middleweight contender Sugar Rashad Evans. Rashad, I haven't been across from you talking MMA since the glory days of ESPN's MMA Live. Yes, I'm talking Anik, the man. Yeah. Don't text and drive. Thanks so much for stopping by. How are you, man? Oh, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be part of the first MMA show. Absolutely. Look, a busy time in combat sports. We're hitting you hard this week on the In This Corner podcast, a trio of podcasts, Canelo and Triple G Talk on Monday. We got the WWE show later this week, so get out and download, subscribe, rate, and review. It only takes a minute to help this show stay on its feet and keep fighting, but Rashad, I'm not going to pull any punches here. It hasn't been a banner four-month start to 2017 for the UFC. It's been a bit of a hangover after such a record-breaking run last year. I mean, maybe that's expected. Last year, shattering pay-per-view sales, five pay-per-views that sold over a million. The company sells for $4 billion. I mean, Conor McGregor becomes a worldwide star. A lot of stuff happened in 12 months. Do you feel as a fighter that the buzz is worn down the first four months of this year, or is that a little overblown? Um, I wouldn't say the buzz is worn down, but I think that we had to recalibrate ourselves and kind of rev up for what's to come in the next few months and into the summer. We want to have the next, we want to knock the blockbusters out. You know, this one is an unexpected blockbuster, but it's at Dallas, so you want to make sure you bring your best. But you know, we got the, an international fight weekend. We're going to have a strong card oh, yeah. there as well, too. So I think we're just kind of revving up for what's to come. I think that's right. I think this card probably has the potential to be sort of the tipping point to set up with what you're saying. I mean, we know uh, UFC 212, June 3rd, Brazil, strong-looking card, but when you get into July, you start getting the International Fight Week card, that LA card at the end of the month. There could be some big things on the horizon. So I don't want to put any undue pressure on this UFC 211 card but it's pretty loaded. I mean, if you have a card you know, that's set up to yeah. to come through for you, does this activate the feel spot? Does this get you fired up just looking at this card? You know, it, it really does. It gives me goosebumps, to be honest. I got goosebumps as I'm speaking now because, you know, you have so many heavy hitters in this fight and they're fighters who fight. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not strategists. They're fighters who go in there and they fight. Sometimes they throw the game playing out the window and they just go in their scrap. And that's what you want to feel because what's going to happen is on Saturday when they come out and fight, they're all going to feed off each other and the energy is going to be electric. Yeah. One guy's going to get a knockout. One guy's going to get a tap, but it's the energy that's going to be in the building and you're going to see some great fights. And sometimes it's like a chain reaction, right? Like it, some, uh, you get a big knockout yeah. early on. It just starts to just pick up. You know, I've been on cards where it was just a complete you know, everyone is getting knocked out and you really had to make sure you were warmed up and stay warmed up because you didn't know where you're going to go on. And uh, I've been on cars where it was kind of like a dud and the energy was kind of low and every fighter come in and it went the distance. So it all depends on, you know, how it sets it off. But with a car like this and so many people so anxious to fight that, that really like to fight, I can't see how this car being that. Right. I mean, it, you know, there's an argument that the, the star power is a little bit down for the first half of this year, really only because the biggest names, McGregor, yeah. Rousey, John. John Jones, GSP, Nate Diaz, not expected to be fighting the first six months of the year. So maybe this card doesn't have huge stars leaping through it into your TV set, but maybe five, six, maybe seven really important fights top to bottom that are sort of going to 
guarantee a bit of action, but also really important in terms of who's getting the title shot next, which is really, you know, what you like to see on this level. Yeah, for sure. You know, you, you don't have, like you said, the star parts, but you do have those hallmark fighters where you're just like, you know what, I want to tune in to watch this guy. And you do have everyone's favorite fighters on these cards. You know, you have the Eddie Alvarez, you got the Frankie Edgar, and, and you know, the Junior DeSantos, and all those guys who really like, you know, when fight fans want to watch people fight, these are the guys I'm tuning in to watch. So it's Saturday night, 211, American Airlines Center in Dallas, let's get right into this main event—a heavyweight rematch. We know, <laughs> oh, we know, a heavyweight fight can end yeah. at any given second. Heavyweight champion Stipe Miocic, Junior Dos Santos, the former champion, they'll do it again. We'll go back to that first fight. December 2015, a non-title affair. Junior Dos Santos wins a five-round war, a bloody fight in which Stipe faded a bit late. There were different circumstances two and a half years ago. They produced a very good fight. What's the biggest thing in your eyes that's that's changed for both fighters since then? Well, I think that fight was kind of Stipe's coming out party. You know, he he was he was a tough fighter, but he wasn't. People didn't see him as that caliber. They didn't see him as a Junior DeSantos, Cain Velasquez type of fighter that that would be able to take the fight into the next level and really battle with these tough guys. So I think that was one of his coming out parties, and I think he really showed himself and everyone there that he is a true contender. Now the difference between Stipe back then and Stipe now is Stipe is very confident. He believes in himself, his training and everything. Now he believes he's a champion. He is a champion, and he's going to fight like the champion he is. I wouldn't have bet if you asked me coming in on this. Miocic's actually older than Junior Dos Santos in, the, in this fight, you know, by, by a little bit less than a year. More mileage, though, on JDS. I mean, he's been around the block a few times. He hasn't fought in a year at this point. He's 3-3 three and three since the 2012 title loss to Velasquez in their second meeting. I'm not sure... Being honest, if Junior's really recovered from those two Cain Velasquez fights, it felt like it took a lot out of him. Yeah. Do you, do you see a scenario maybe where his great chin could have possibly been his worst enemy going 10 hard rounds against Kane there? Well, I, I don't care who you are in a sport. You know, the guys with the toughest chin, eventually it does fade. Mm. And, and it, it, it's like a, a video game. You watch a video game and you know, you fight video game and every single time your your blood level goes down and you, it's really hard for it to get back up. And that's the same thing with the fighter. You know, sometimes your fight life gets cut in half just by those battle, battles that he had and those battles with Kane really, really took a toll on his body, really took a toll on everything else. His, his, his mental preparation you know because when you go in and you battle and you know something that scary can happen where you, you know you it's going to take almost a year to recover it kind of messes you up because in your mind it's like oh man do i have it in me tonight and you may second guess yourself so he has when you when you're a battle tested fighter like that it, it does wear on you and that's why i think that stipe does have the edge just because he doesn't have those wars i think since that fight we've seen stipe win the title we've seen him run off four impressive teams KO victories against really the biggest names in the whole division now. In that meantime, JDS, his last fight against last April against Ben Rothwell, a five-round boxing performance. I mean, it was a clinic. I think we just have to figure out, is that a little bit of fool's gold, though? Because it kind of played into Big Ben's limitations of right. what he can do. We're not really sure coming in if it's a recharged or revitalized junior or if it's really that was that was a great matchup for him because he had gone through that run where you take on a lot of damage even in wins alternating wins and losses it's kind of hard to know coming in if he can be that same guy how much of that is mental can you have a mental revitalization in your 30s where 
you take some time away from fighting and it's just that rest and recharge that you need. I think you definitely can take some time away and, and revitalize your senses and, and just your skill level and everything. And that fight, when you watch him fight, dismantle uh, Ben Rethwell, Ben was, was on a roll. He was steamrolling no everybody. And one thing you've seen in JDS, he was very, very patient. And it's unlike uh, I've seen him before, but he was very patient with the striking. And he wasn't only looking for the uh, the left hook like he normally catches people with. He was very patient, looking for uppercuts and just more of an opportunistic boxer looking at uh, Ben Rothwell's holes and capitalizing off them. And, and you've seen a more mature, more patient fighter. So I think that you know him training at an American top team, he's taking some time to himself. He really worked on the areas that he, he felt like uh, got him in trouble before. Right. And I think he's a stronger JDS. And in that first fight, I think the only thing that maybe we talked about his coming out party being Stipe, but the only thing that held him back, I don't know if he was ready for a five-round fight. So that may have been the best loss he could have taken in terms of teaching him, right? In terms of preparing him for what it's going to take at this level. He hasn't been, he hasn't needed to go the five-round limit since then, but you gotta feel like that bout, the first one, taking that loss was important in, in, in producing the Stipe we've seen today. Yeah, I definitely think that, uh, that, that first fight when they fought and they went five rounds and JDS gave everything he had and he was still standing and he wasn't really uh it wasn't even thought that it was even going to be that close to be honest when i when i looked at the fight on paper but um you've seen uh you've seen stipe and you see him just grow and grow and more confidence but going five rounds with a giant like jds at the time is a huge confidence booster because he had those lethal hands and he was knocking everyone out and then he's in there stipe's in there and he's taking those shots he's taking those shots and he's moving forward and he's calling off for more so now he knows for a fact like i hung in there with this guy when he was at his absolute best and i was still just a pup to say (laughs) you know and and he is training with really really uh is not it wasn't what it is now because now you know he he's upped his training and everyone you know uh he's gotten so much better so that has to be huge confidence going to this fight for Stipe, just knowing that he has a confidence to stand in there with him the first time and then even now the second time now that he's gotten better he's got to be feeling like he's going to be doing his thing like he certainly is peaking he's looking like the you know if the heavyweight champion of the world is the baddest man on the planet it's hard to make that argument against him right now you can make the argument, though, that this should have been Cain Velasquez's time, his era. Obviously, injuries has kept him out. That dreaded stat, though, still remains. You hear the stat every heavyweight title fight. No UFC heavyweight champion has defended the belt more than two times in a row. Yeah. On Saturday, Stipe going for number two. Yeah. He's got a chance to to be the one, to be the new hope who might give this I- this division an identity really for the first time since Brock Lesnar was selling massive pay-per-views. Is there anything when you look at Stipe's game that gives you any warning or pause to say this could be the guy who runs off three, four, five, six defenses in a row? I would say his athleticism. You know, Stipe is one of those guys, and, and like a cane, he, he's extremely athletic and agile for his size. Sure. And that really brings a lot of pro- uh, problems for a lot of the heavyweight division because a lot of these guys, they're not, they're not so quick on his feet like, uh, like, like Stipe. You know, Stipe was, was, he's a big guy, but, he, he wrestled smaller and then as he, he, um, still has a little man's technique, meaning that he's nice and crisp and still right. light on his feet. You know, a lot of heavyweights don't have that. And that's one thing that I think that, you know, Stipe can definitely put a separation between him and everybody else in, a, in his weight class. But one thing with Stipe he needs to do is he needs to be a little bit more defensively responsible when he's throwing punches. Very, very interesting breakdown right there. That first fight that we mentioned in 2014 was pretty much a five round boxing match within, an, within the MMA cage. Do you you think if you're looking at JDS's best chance at victory in this spot, 
is it keep the fight on the feet? Is it is it make this a boxing match start to finish? Yeah, he's got to make this fight a boxing match top to finish because, you know, I, I think that when it comes to just cleaner combinations and cleaner boxing, I think Junior DeSantos has that all day. He has a monstrous left hook. He has a really nasty uppercut, and, and he's got really, really clean boxing skills. But one thing that uh, Junior does a lot, he kind of leans a hand down a little bit, the left hand down, and, and it can subject him to the overhand right a lot. But um, I, I do think that his best chances will keep it on his feet, keep it in the center of the cage, and eliminate as much as energy that, that, that comes from wrestling and come from grappling against the cage and stuff like that. Because, you know, as a, as a big guy, the first thing you want to do is if you feel like you may have the wrestling edge on another big guy, instead of going into his wheelhouse where, where Junior is his power right. and striking, get him against the cage, lean on him for a little bit, pop shot him, dirty box him on a cage, and then bring him out to the center of the octagon and let your hands go. And, and Junior's going to have to move his head more, right? You're going to sure. have to see that. He's got to get off that cage. He's got to maybe do some things a little bit differently. You can make the argument that maybe he wasn't the most deserving for this title shot right here. You had the storyline of the rematch. You had a couple other heavyweights who weren't jumping out front, raising their hands, saying, I'll take it. Right. Maybe it was the opportunistic here for, for, for JDS to get this fight. But for Stipe, it does offer him a chance here to make a statement. Going back to that point we said about no one has identified themselves that this is their heavyweight era. I think this gives him that chance. If he can do it impressively, if he can tie for the second title defense, he may not have the personality, Stipe, to be a household name, though. But I'm noticing he's got the fighting style. He's got the skill set. Would a knockout here on this type of stage, on this headlining role, further put him in the, in the minds of the casual fans that this is the guy, this is the UFC's, you know, quote-unquote baddest man at the top of the highest division? Is, is he close in that regard? Does he have that style, you think? I, I, I definitely think he does. You know, um you know, on, on a personal level, I think that, you know, he's a uh, very funny guy. He's a very funny, likable guy. If you're in a room with Stipe, he's the biggest nut, and you'll never know that he's a world champion. Very dry humor, right? Yeah, yeah, very dry humor, but but it's it's kind of funny. I mean, once you understand what he says, because he talks so fast, it's hard to understand what he says. But, um, you know, once you once you make it past all that, he has, he has a really uh, funny kind of sense of humor. But besides that... He really, really fights and he puts on a great fights for his people and he carries that pride. You know, he's Cleveland strong. He's really proud to be where he's from. In he's Cleveland. a blue collar guy. He's a fireman, right? And that's exactly it. He, he brings that blue collar feel to the heavyweight division and, uh, he's a hard worker. So I think people can get behind him, but I think this fight is definitely important in order to say, you know what? I got this heavyweight weight class. True. Everyone else has to step up because I'm going to start separating pretty soon. And if he wins, then you set up, Hey, let's get Kane healthy. And let's have that big heavyweight fight that matters. And let's yeah. really find out who's the guy. Because I'm in that camp that's saying, Kane already is the guy. We I already know. know that. He's just got to stay but, in the cage. That's, that's the thing about it. Like, we haven't seen Kane since he's, he's uh you know, in, in a while. How many, UFC how, 200 last July blew away Travis Brown. Never never saw him again. And that's, and that's the thing about it. And when you're, when you're a great athlete and, and you're, and you're someone like Kane, who really has shown promise to be that guy and really run an era like you're saying – you know, just can't stay healthy, he's losing time on his career. Yeah. And you never know what each injury brings to someone mentally speaking. Some injuries you can never come back from. You may be healthy enough to fight physically, but mentally in your mind, it just never leaves you. And I say Man. that because sometimes um, – even even in my fights, when I'm when I'm out there and I'm moving, I'm like, man, it's in my mind. I'm like, I, I, I worry about my leg, and, I, and I'm thinking about it, you know. So it, it does different injury does 
play mental games on the fighter. I love the mental side of this. I mean, if somebody generically asked you how much of this game is mental from your experience, you've been on the highest level. I mean, is it like 90%? Is it really yeah, just about it, having that mindset? It's funny because uh, we have a saying that we used to say back in the day. Uh, it's 90% physical and 10% mental when you're in training camp. Ah. But then when it's fight week and it's fight night, it's 90% mental and 10% physical. You know, because that, and, and that's, and that's where it's all at. I've seen some of the best athletes, the best fighters in the world lose it the night of the fight. Right. Before they even step into the cage. And that's just because being there and, and, and having to bring the show, it, it brings a different element in a lot of different people. And that's why I always have, uh, tremendous amount of respect for, you know, the Ronda Rousey. Right. The Conor McGregor who show up on fight night. Short deal notice, all no the, matter what. Deal with all that pressure, and they still go out there and fight crazy. How did you, the the fighter, fight off that last-minute cringe of fear, that last-minute, am I prepared enough, yeah. that all that negativity when you're when they come in five minutes to go, Rashad? What is that like? You know, the, uh, the routine. Routine breaks, the, breaks up thought. So if I have a routine and I've been doing it all training camp, when I start my routine, then – I start to just – all my thoughts start to fade away. Mm. So if you don't have a routine, then it allows your mind to have space and time to think about what's to come. Interesting. But the more routine that you have, it, it just kind of eliminates everything and you just go with the flow. And then your body does it for itself. And then and then it's weird because, like, you'll go in and out of being, you know, uh, I guess the fighter and then the person behind the fighter. You know, and and the person behind the fighter is the one who analyzes every single thing. Am I ready? And has the questions. The fighter is always ready because you train ten weeks for it. You know, so so you got to you got to put on that hat. You got to yeah, slip you gotta into put that. On a hat. So it's like fooling yourself, right? You, I mean, it, it, like fake it until you make it. That whole thing is real, right? For it's, sure, for sure. And, and you just kind of like you know when when that when when the the person shows up, you're like, nah. The fighter's like, I got this. I'm good. Yeah, I got a nice sweat going. I'm, I'm hitting the mitts really good. I'm cracking. My feet feel really good. So that's what we call sugar in from the bowl. Rashad it. might have yeah, a couple Rashad, doubts. Rashad's Rashad, realistic. He's like, you know, uh, I got this going on. No, sugar's like, no, we're, we're going out there. We're, oh, we're yeah. taking care of business. Oh yeah. There, there's been times where I'm ready and I'm in the zone and I'm sugar's out and he's ready and I'm in a cage and then Rashad will show up and I'm like, man, I can't feel my feet. And then she'll be like, no, nah, no, nah, your feet's there, your feet's there. <laughs> slap your legs, slap your legs, you know? Because sometimes you get nervous and you just feel like that. Well, speaking of a mentally tough champion, our co-main event at UFC 211, a fight I'm really looking forward to, women's strawweight champion, Joanna Young-Jacek against Jessica Andrade in a very interesting matchup, not just stylistically, but the betting line is moving on this. The last time I checked, Joanna only a minus 155 favorite. Yeah. That breeds a lot of questions, right? Like, right. she had that tough five-round fight at UFC 2, what was that, 205 last oh, November, Carolina Kovalkovich. I mean, that was a, a hard nose fight does that does the odds speak to that does the odds speak to that the rest of the pack is catching up or does the odds speak to the fact that jessica Andrade, who competed well going four and three at bantamweight for a run has now moved down 20 pounds to straw weight and might just bring the most power into a matchup we've ever seen against Joanna. i think that's what it speaks to more than i think it, it speaks to Andrade just coming down to the weight class being the bigger fighter and being a very tough fighter at the upper weight class Thinking that they, she can bring the same kind of, uh, you know, I guess intensity, um, domination with her size to, to somebody, you know, Joanna, Yo she's not the most physical prowess right. person you see her. You're just like, wow, you, you know, she's, she's kind of skinny to be honest, but 
She's very, very tough. She has a very tough clench. There's a beast you know? inside She's of her, right? An like- animal, a full grown lion inside <laughs> of her. And it eats people. And, um, I think that's what the lions speak to more than anything. But, you know, um, I, I, I honestly, I think that Joanna is just, is just on another level. Like you see fighters who separate from the rest of the pack and start to just become the one. And I think that she has that, you know, she's pretty much cleared out her whole weight class and, um, you know, she's continuing to get better and better. And w- one thing I like about her, she has a great team behind her, a great team of support where she can just do nothing but focus on fighting. And w- when you're a fighter and you have to do nothing but think about fighting, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And she has two things. I mean, she's got a great skill set, right? I mean, she's got the kickboxing, Muay Thai background. She's an incredible striker. She, the, her volume is incredible. But there's two things that stand out to me. There's no one that has that motor that I've seen, maybe male or female in the game. Right. And I don't think there's anyone that wants it as much, meaning we've seen her again in these fights. You know, that rematch with Claudia Gadeja, that was yeah. the one where she was supposed to finally get overcome. Somebody yeah. had the wrestling. Well, the first two rounds, Claudia gave it to her, right? Controlled right, her on the ground. Yeah. Midway point around three, there's that turning point where there's that other level inside of Ioana. Some of it is cardio, but the other part of it is just wanting it more, where you're like, oh, wait, we were wrong. No one's going to outlast no this girl. Gonna, yeah, and, and you got to wonder, like, it, does she really want it more? Or does Or the girls just kind of given to what she does and given to her telling her them, that, that, that she wants it more because she starts early. Her, the fight for her starts <laughs> way early. It starts when they shake hands or when, when, when the first time the contract is signed, when she sees them every single time, she always drops a little hint about how she's going to dominate them. That really wears on your mind. And then in a fight, when it comes to the third or fourth, the championship rounds and you're feeling dog tired. And then she may say, you know what? I told you I was tired. <laughs> and I you're thinking you. about the way in when she, yeah, when she glared into your soul, right? Yeah. And, and then you're thinking like, oh my gosh, she's right. I'm getting tired. <laughs> I'm getting tired. So I think it has to do with, you know, the mental games that she plays with the fighter. But I don't think that Andrade is really going to go for those mental games. I think that she's, she's, uh, mentally tougher than a lot of the other fighters she fought. Now let's set the stage what, what JJ's trying to do here. This would be title defense number five of her, her one, 150, 15 pound belt. Excuse me. She wants to break Ronda Rousey female record in the UFC of six title defenses. Then she wants to move up to 125 pounds if the UFC officially creates this flyweight division that we're being talked about. Her goal, and she doesn't really, she says, want to fight more than, let's say, two more years. She's 29 now, wants to start a family. She's engaged. Her goal is to retire, always as the unbeaten champion, but now the unbeaten champion in two divisions. That would put her in an interesting conversation, and that conversation is, are we watching the greatest female fighter in UFC history? I, I would say, uh, I would say we might be. We really might be when it comes to just, you know, one, one thing I, I, I like about her and, um, I forget that she's a woman. Not, not to say, not to sound like, you know, women can't be tough right. fighters, but, you know, fighting has been a male dominated sport for so long. So you don't, you don't think a woman would be as tenacious, as tough. As a man would, but when you watch her go out there and she fights, it's like, wow, this is, she's different. I'd like to do a character study on her because to to be able to fight or perform or react a certain way, something had to happen in your life to prepare you. And sometimes it's (laughs) negative things that you had to overcome, but I'd like to just sit her down and say like, you know, where does this come from? That's my favorite question to ask a fighter. I admire so many fighters for just getting out there. Where does that come from? I, I think hers, a mix of just, uh, bit of anger but i think a lot of 
love. Like she loves it. She loves it. And I think the love of it is, is her biggest fuel. You know, she loves, you know, getting tired and challenging herself and, you know, don't know if she can make it, but she pulls it out and she keeps going and going and going. I think that's what's making her just get that next level, you know, and, and really, and, and it's just made her a mental giant. Like when it comes to her competing against everyone else in a weight class, mentally speaking, she pulls herself away because she's not afraid. She's not afraid to go to that place, right? to go to that place where it gets ugly, to go to that place where you're going to be looking hurt the next day. I mean, and feeling she hurt. went to the hospital after the, after the Carolina fight. I and, mean. and, and that's the truth about it. A lot of fighters, they want to fight, but not a lot of fighters want to go to that place. You know, it's like the the great distance runner, the the late Steve Prefontaine used to basically say, "It's not about who's faster; it's just about who wants it more, who who's willing it. to endure the pain." To, go there. To, yeah. to get that, that's a very good way to break it down. I feel a GSP vibe sometimes from her. You know, yeah. you know, she's not afraid to go five rounds distance. She's not maybe not going out there and finishing people like she did a little bit earlier. There's there's sort of like the maniacal preparation, the well rounded game where yes, yeah, she's maybe a little bit better in this character, the category. But anytime a specific person, a wrestler, a a kickboxer, a, a judoka comes at her, she can handle any she can handle any kind of thing. And that's one thing that I like about her. She handles all styles. You know, at one point, um, I thought that. In order to beat her, you really got to just beat her up on the ground. But then, you know, she, she, uh, she, she took, she had fighters get her on the ground and beat her up and she got back up and she did her thing. And now she's actually getting pretty good at wrestling. Her takedown defense getting really hard and she's getting really hard to put in those uncomfortable positions where she's not dominant. And, um, you know, I, I, she, sometimes she doesn't get the finish. But what I always like is she's always looking for yeah, the finish. Yeah. She's hunting for the finish, and she'll bloody somebody up trying to get it. <laughs> well, Andrade can punch. We know that. We know they've trained together in the past. They used to share the same manager. My take on this is I don't see a scenario where Andrade can't win this fight anywhere but in the first round. If she can, if she can, if her power can catch Joanna's chin off guard and try to, you know, finish her, I don't see a scenario where she can go really late. She's only fought three rounds a couple of times. She's never fought five rounds before. We talked about Stipe yeah. in that first fight with JDS. You know, it's a wake up call to a certain degree. If you're on Drudge, how do you prepare to fight five rounds on the championship level against a maniacal all-time champion that we're talking about in Ioana, how much of that is that balance physical to mental to, to say you're going in the deepest end of the pool? Right. Well, if you're Andrade and I'm, and I'm in her camp, I would tell her that um, what we're not going we're not going to sit there and we're not going to strike with her and, and try to make it a striking match early in the beginning. What we're going to try to do is we want we want to make her wrestle. We want to make her do as much as as we can to really tap into um, that, that gas tank that she has. And, and that's one thing that people don't realize. When, when you're a striker and you're not from the grappling back, background, if I make you grapple, it taps into that gas tank because you're using energy that you don't normally use. And sometimes when you're wrestling and you really don't know how to, you expend energy in ways that a, a good wrestler wouldn't do. So you waste energy. So Andrade needs to take it to the ground or even just take it to the cage. Beat her up on the cage. Don't let her get into her rhythm. And then when the championship rounds come, then she'll have a different, uh, Joanna to go in the center of the cage yeah. with a strike. It's a management of your gas tank because, it, it you know, you, your brain wants to tell you, Hey, Andrade, empty that tank in the first three minutes because that's your only chance. But what happens if you don't finish her in the first three minutes? You got to balance that out for 25 yes, minutes. Yes. She has to be very economical with how she uses her energy.
if if Joanna wins this, there is a little bit of a map to her trying to achieve her goals. I mean, Yama Yunus coming off that big victory over Michelle Waterson, that's already sort of penciled in would be her next fight. She could then break the record for title defenses later this year if she stayed healthy. I'm looking at that June 3rd UFC 212 fight, Carolina against Claudia, the last yeah. two girls Joanna had fought. I'd like to see Joanna, if she stays the distance, fighting the winner of those two with a chance to break the record, get, take a step above past Rousey potentially in some people's minds. The, the future is bright for Joanna if she can get past this test. The of future course. is very bright for her. And one thing that she would show is that, um, you know, like you said, she's going to be the greatest fighter, women's fighter of all time, but she may be in a conversation of being one of the greatest fighters of all time. Very interesting. You know, because when it, when it comes down to it, um, when you have a fighter on that level, who dominates and who has the ability to dominate how, how Joanna Juncic does, uh, Joanna champion as she calls it. Oh yeah. You know, it, it, it really makes you think of the Mighty Mouses, the Anderson Silvas, the John Joneses and stuff like that because domination is domination. And then just as much as we're, we're ready to annoy her if she keeps going. Let's not forget that 2016 was the year of the upsets in the UFC. I was ready to put the crown on Luke Rockhold's head for the next decade and then Michael Bisping with one punch ends it. So anything can happen. We're excited to see that. Let's go speed fire through the rest of this very good card. Welterweight matchup that's really a number one contender match de facto. Damian Mayo, Jorge Masvidal, what jumps out at you about this fight? Um, you know, I, I really, really like, uh, you know, Damian Maya, his efficiency when it comes to jujitsu inside the cage. It, it's second to none. You know, he's got to be the best jujitsu practitioner. Oh, it's, uh, it's sick. When it comes to execution that the octagon has ever seen. You know, when it, he gets you down, it's not long before he submits you. I don't care what level you are. He's, he just makes everyone just tap. Um, but then you have Jorge Masvidal, who is, growing in his rights to just like just a different fighter right now and, and i know in jorge when he wasn't even fighting in the ufc uh and to watch him grow has been something else now you're watching a guy who's great guy has great boxing has you know great wrestling has great jujitsu and he's well-rounded to the point and more furthermore he believes it like none other you know he said tell dan and white two hundred thousand dollar bet is still up if you if you bring in a guy that can beat me <laughs> Now that that's confidence right there. Maya thirty nine might be in that other conversation that greatest fighter to never win a title, right? I mean, been along around a long time, reborn at welterweight, nine and two since twenty twelve, six straight wins. Is he taking though, even though this is a number one contender fight, is he taking too much of a risk here and taking it, knowing he's essentially already on deck in the bullpen potentially? It reminds me of Jacare Souza just last yeah, month taking that fight against up and comer Robert Whitaker when if he had done what Luke Rockhold is now telling everyone in your middleweight division to do, don't take a fight. Sit back and let them bring the title fights to you. You know that that's to to your own peril. Tough matchup for Maya, but but he's he's going to do this. This would give him the title shot, though. No, it, it would definitely give him the title shot, but it, he is in a tough space. But when when you're um, someone like Damian Maya and you know you're, you're finishing everyone, you know you're not in there, you're not taking a lot of damage. That's the thing, you can't touch the guy. You can't touch him, so that's the thing about it. So it's like, yeah, I, it, it, even say even if he does lose, that's okay. In a couple fights, by the time the the, the Walter Wade. Uh, division work itself out, he may be in line for another title shot again, even if he does lose one. So it's not like necessarily the end if he loses this fight. You know, he just may lose to a hungrier, uh, fighter, but 
he has a technique and ability to separate himself up from everyone else in the 170 division because he has such good jujitsu on the ground. When he gets you on the ground, it's over. And it surprised me that Masvidal is the betting favorite in this one. Three-fight win streak. The, the statement KOs against Ellenberger, against Donald Cerrone earlier this year. I didn't see that one coming. I wasn't convinced that maybe he's on this level. Vegas thinks he is, though. I, you know what? I think he is, too. I think when, when I watch him, you know, completely destroy Donald the way he did uh, – it gave me pause to be like, you know what, this guy, um, he's, he's on something different right now. He's just, he, he's, he's mentally believing it. And, and um, like we were talking earlier, it's all about the mental preparation. How much do you mentally believe it? And he mentally believes it and physically on another level, uh, it seems like everything is coming together for him. You know, he's always had some great people in his camp, you know, uh, great, great, uh, training partners. And now it seems like everything is coming together. I can't wait to see how that one plays out. A featherweight bout. Wow. A, a, a fantastic crossroads matchup. Frankie Edgar, Yair Rodriguez. Oh, man. Two questions are oh, going to be man. answered here. Does Frankie still have it as an, on the elite level? And is Rodriguez ready for this level? Man, you could not ask for a better fight to find out which direction two guys are going. I mean, this, this is deep end of the pool if you're Yair Rodriguez for all the, the great crazy strikes that you can bring out at any moment. This isn't BJ Penn out there. This is still Frankie Edgar who's got it, right? Exactly. And this right here is, is my fight of the night. I, I really like this fight because you have the action of Frankie Edgar, who has the ability to strike, but at the same time, his transitions from his striking to his takedowns are, are really unlike anybody else. You know, I, I put him on a level of GSP when it comes to his striking and his takedowns, and he has a really good coach in Mark Henry behind him, who uh, their, their game plans are just absolutely something else. And if you ever watched them train, I was in New Jersey, and I watched them train for a while, and um, they don't call combinations. They have a playbook, like you'll see, <laughs> you, you'll, you'll see the quarterbacks in the NFL do, you know, and Mark Henry has a sleeve and he'll, he'll call a play and he calls it and Frankie Edgar, he listens as he's doing it. And no one else knows what they're talking about but the two of them and he execute these techniques like this. But then you have Yair Rodriguez who is, I got to say, when I think of the future of what the sport is, this guy is a prototype. Just 24. 24 years old, but I mean his abilities are just ridiculous. Like they're they're ridiculous, he's, and he's reckless. And he's as a reckless. fan, you love that. You right? love it. He he's he's creative, and, and a creative fighter to me, I, I love a creative fighter. All right, how do you prepare for that? Because he'll f around and get a triple double. He'll just pull out swords. He'll do crazy moves. Crazy you moves. fought a guy Machida at the time, right. who was no one had figured he out was that, that was he the was Machida tricky. era. That yeah. for how brief it was, that was yeah. a tough time when you fought him. Yeah. How do you prepare for the trickiness of a guy like that? Well, the, the thing about it is that you know when you have a guy who's tricky. It's, it's easy to want to get into their wheelhouse and be tricky too. Mm -hmm. But if you do that, you put yourself in a trick bag and you do exactly what they want. Fundamentals work best against a guy who is tricky, but you got to stick to the fundamentals. No matter how much they do all the dancing and just stuff out of nowhere, you got to stick to the fundamentals. And I think that's one thing that could get right. Yeah, you're in, in trouble with a guy like Frankie Edgar if he comes out too early with his tricks. Because it takes a lot of energy to do those. The big spinning and all the pretty technique, that takes a lot of energy. And a guy like Frankie Edgar, who's a buzzsaw in front of you, who does not stop moving, he would chip away at all those big explosive movements. Frankie 35 on a 6-1 and one run that only lost that tough interim title loss to Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo last July at UFC 200. How do you balance out when you are getting into the mid-30s? This is something you're fighting yeah. in this point in your career. You're probably smarter than you ever were, right? Yeah. But you can feel the, you can feel the, the, the slipping just it. a bit. How do you For balance? Sure. 
Yeah, you feel you feel you feel you feel the age. I mean, you feel it more or less on your recovery than anything. That that's, I think that's what it is. But um, one thing I learned about growing older as a fighter is uh, you could never stop. You know, there's no there's no time where I'm not working out. I got to at least work out at least three times a week, even when I'm not training for keep a fight. Got to keep fresh because when you stop it, you, you uh, it's like you start realizing there's other stuff wrong. You're like, man, my back hurt. It never hurt before because you can never stop the engine. You know, the engine got to keep going. And Frankie Edgar does a good job of doing that. He keeps the engine going. And also with Frankie, you know, he, he's been in some wars. He's been in some fights, but he's become a very smart fighter now. And he's become a very patient fighter. Efficient. He knows efficient and he knows his game. He knows his game. And, and one thing that I've seen Frankie do in his last few fights is he's really, um, and you didn't really get to see it in his Jose Aldo fight, but he's really been working on his ground to pound game. When you have the ability like Frankie Edgar to get him down, you got to make them pay when they're on the ground, so they just don't stand up without any consequence. You got to get them on the ground, and you got to make them pay. And Frankie Edgar's been able to do that, and I think that has been one thing that that kind of prolongs his career and, and it keeps him from taking a damage. Well, it's a bit crowded in that featherweight division, and we know we'll see Aldo, Max Holloway on June third with Cub Swanson's around, Ricardo Lamas. I'd like to see the winner of this fight, you know, put himself in a good spot. But moving down the card before we close, very again a very good flyweight match with a lot on the line here. Henry Cejudo, Sergio Pettis. Oh, Very interesting because yeah. if there's one fighter where I want to see how he reacts right now of anyone on the card based on his recent run, it's Cejudo. Started 10-0, and two losses in a row, but at the, at the highest level. You lose to right. Demetrius Johnson. You're in that war in December with, with Joseph Benavides, fight of the year contender. Third straight loss would be pretty damaging, though, right? It, it definitely will be straight damage, really damaging, you know. And, and, but I think that when, when you got a guy like Henry Cejudo who's used to competing, you know, you know that happens. You know you can lose a couple couple matches in a row in competition, but it doesn't shake who you are. It doesn't shake that 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 dominant spirit inside of you. And I think that's one thing that you know is gonna you're gonna see uh, Henry Cejudo bounce back from. You know he knows how to compete. Knowing how to compete, it comes with winning and it comes with losing. And that's where a lot of fighters who don't have that competition pedigree, as a Henry Cejudo, who was an Olympic world champion, oh, gold medalist. Gold medalist uh, have you know so um, I think he's going to be able to bounce back, but he's going against a very tough Sergio Pettis, who is um, how is this guy just twenty three, Rashad? I mean, he he turned pro before he could vote. He's, I know, <laughs> but it feels like he's yeah. putting it together finally. I just don't know if uh, you know we use that term deep end of the pool. Is this too deep at this point? Well, I I think that you know you're watching a Sergio who who is always been waiting to carry the torch, you know, and, and he's been high, he's been behind his brother, uh, for so long, but now that, you know, his, his, his brother Anthony Pettis is not, you know, the, 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 the figure that he was before, it's allowing him to emerge as who he is as Sergio and become the fighter that he always could be. And I think that, you know, you're watching Sergio, you know, learn from his brother, and, and learn from everyone in the whole, the whole gym at Rufus Sports. You know, he's, he's up there learning with, with the champion. You know, you, you have Tyron Willie over there and all that. It kind of seeps in the group. When you have someone that's a champion and his brother was a former champion, it's just a mindset. It becomes a culture to, to, to have the championship mentality when it comes to, to competing. And I think Sergio has that. Uh, the final fight I want to talk about is, a fight that could could be the co-main event on any other card this year. Instead, it's going to be the main event of the of the preliminary card. Lightweights Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. And you want to talk about seeing how a guy responds. Yeah. Eddie Alvarez coming off that humbling loss to Conor McGregor. Fought the wrong game plan at 205 last November. 
Now he's back in a very tough fight. Look, I'm going to be honest. When Eddie came from Bellator, I didn't think he would be as good on the UFC on this level. We know he's very vulnerable, puts forth some action fights. He's impressed me on the run he went. Yeah. Now he's got to try to really impress us all over again that there isn't a, a – did he lose more mentally in that fight than he did physically? Well, you know, one thing that I think is going to help Eddie is the fact that when he came into the UFC, he didn't come in so hot, meaning the fact that he lost a couple when he first lost came to Cerrone in. right off the Yeah, so, so that that was – a piece of humbling, humble pie right there. But then he got it right back. He started training over there, Mark Henry and Frankie Edgar and those guys, and he kind of found his rhythm. He kind of found that, that Eddie Alvarez of old, and then he started winning, and then he became champion. Now he got humbled again against Conor McGregor, and that one was, was a very tough one because, it, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he was embarrassed for it, to say the least, but he faced that. He faced those feelings and he faced the embarrassment of, of it all and he's ready to get back out there. So with all that said, I think that Eddie returns back to the Eddie that got him to be a champion and learn from that mistake. But then you're going against a guy in Dustin Poirier who is, you know, I really, really like to watch his kid fight. He's, he's one of my favorites to watch fight when he comes when, when he's when, focused when, he, when, when he's, he's focused, there yeah when he's focused it's a wild card but sometimes you just never know what, what dustin you're going to get that night you know and and um he can get dragged into wars he, too quickly sometimes yes and, and sometimes he, he 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 favors a brawl and he can brawl but I, I i really like his technique enough that he can dictate it and kind of stay on the outside and really pick guys apart because he's 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 when i watch him he's technically really really sound and he's really fun to watch but he can't get lured into one of those brawls. And I think that would be a shortcoming in his fight if he gets lured into a brawl with Eddie. Uh, we just broke this thing down. I, I mean, Rashad, top to bottom, there's a lot of really good fights. We got I'm, the debut of David Branch coming in from World Series of Fighting. Very, a lot, a lot of guys making the leap, right? Justin yeah. Gagey, I mean, you're gonna start to see Marlon Moraes, you're gonna start to oh, see yeah. a lot of big names get, getting, you know, getting their UFC test right off the start. That'll be fun to watch. On the way out though, a little bit unrelated to this card, your division, you got a lot of people talking. You got a lot of people yeah, saying, man, you know, I'm unhappy with the matchmaking. I'm, you know, Bisping and GSP are holding things up for everybody you're also a guy who's looking to get back in there was that the wrong decision to announce bisping gsp prematurely when now george is saying i need until october everyone's just standing around um well here's the thing about it and, and, and it's a really it's a really tough thing to do because we're unlike a lot of different sports and and um to really put us in a category as far as like okay rankings this means this this means this and this Means that we no number one number one obviously fight number number two, you know it, it's kind of it's kind of hard when you're a promotion like the UFC because we are a large part entertainment as well too, and you and, and we kind of like on the I guess like a WWE type. Not saying that we're we're not real, not scripted, but, but you want to hype it. You yeah, wanna, you gotta yeah, so so th there there's a bit of there's a bit of that side in it too. There's a bit of entertainment side to it. So sometimes the promotion will air to the side of pure entertainment, pure entertainment versus, you know, on the sports side of, okay, this, what needs to happen? Does there need to be a better balance between merging those two? I, I do think so. I do think so. I think there's a happy medium, but sometimes they go too far to the left with making it too entertaining. And then, you know, they need to kind of stay because, because, because at the end of the day, what are the rankings for if we're not going to fight by exactly. the rankings? Exactly. And are you going to put the band-aid of an interim right. title to fix it one time? But what does that do long term? Yeah, and and that's the thing about it. It, it kind of makes the sport 
uh, lose credibility if there's too many sense, uh, instances where it's about the entertainment rather than about, you know, the sports side, which is the rankings and, and the proper development of any sport. You know, number one goes against number two, and, and that's just the way it should go. But um, I think there's a happy medium, and I think that with the UFC, I think they can blend it a little bit better. But, you know, when you're um, – when you're a sport like UFC and, and, you know, you guys got new owners and everything else like that, there's a lot of moving parts right now. There's a lot of moving parts right now. So they're doing their best to try to make sure that they keep people engaged. A very, very fair and honest response. On the way out here, let's just look at the main and co-main predictions. Dos Santos, Miocic 2, who you like in this heavyweight main event? I like Stipe. I think Stipe uh, – he he finds a way to get it done. I don't think it goes past the third round. I think that um, he he's going to get it done on his feet. Uh, Stipe does have to be a bit uh, a lot um, defensively responsible in his striking, especially with uh, JDS, who is uh, a sharpshooter, and um, he can catch him with, catch him with that left hook. So. But I like I like uh, Stipe. I like it right there. Third round TKO. I think this, this is his opportunity, like we talked about, to announce even further. I'm the guy. I will be here for more than two title defenses. <laughs> yeah. You know, get to know me, hang around me. The Coleman event, Young Jacek, Andrade. Despite what those betting odds say, you like JJ one more time? I like JJ. I like Young Jacek because I think that, you know, she is uh, just a different level. And I think that she's one of the fighters who has pulled away from the pack and I don't think there's nobody that's going to catch her. Yeah, if she goes if she if this fight gets third, fourth, fifth round, it's just going to favor JJ. I mean, you give Andrade room to surprise you, right? I mean, you got to have your first five-round fight eventually. You got exactly. to to showcase whether you can do it. I like young Jay check again, but Rashad, thanks so much for stopping by, oh, man. man. We thank we, you. we broke this it. thing down we top broke, to bottom, you know what I'm saying? I I I recommend and advise everybody out there, you, you you hear something, you see something, say something. Get out there, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff in this with Brian Campbell coming at you a triple threat of podcasts this week more to come in the future hopefully you'll be hearing Rashad's voice again one more time in the future as well thanks for listening we'll see you next time